0: giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Come on, man, get your bag. We got to go. Man, tell that girl goodbye. Let's get out of here. Woo! Oh, welcome to it, folks. Let me talk to you. I don't really want to talk about a love affair. I want to talk about how uh, hoaxes get perpetrated. But be with me here, folks. In order to do that, we're first going to have to talk about the bathtub. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me. And whenever I take a bath, I never really feel clean. I always feel like I need a shower afterwards. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe the Romans had it right with the communal bathing. I don't know. I mean, I've had good times in the bathtub, but now I'm already saying too much. But let's talk about the bathtub. When bathtubs first came to the United States, the year was 1843. And they created a bitter controversy. Some people found them too decadent. Others, too unhealthy. Hmm. Kind of what my beef is with the bathtub. Not enough room to actually get clean. You're almost bathing in your own filth at a certain point. But cities tried to ban bathing. And it took President Millard Fillmore, or Fillard Millmore, however you like to say it, installing a bathtub in the White House for bathtubs to become widely accepted. See, bathtubs were first invented by a British aristocrat, Lord John Russell. He invented the bathtub in 1828, but by 1835 was said to be the only man in England who bathed every day. The first American bathtub was installed on December 20th, 1842 in Cincinnati. It was lined with lead and weighed 1,750 pounds, nearly a ton, ladies and gentlemen, and lined with lead. Oh, how little did they know? Bathtubs, after their introduction, did become very controversial. Pundits held either they were an undemocratic invention or an unhealthy one. Philadelphia and Boston both tried to outlaw bathing based on health concerns. But the real reason behind that, you know public reason. They always harp on public health or public safety, but the real reason was based on income inequality. Only the rich could afford bathtubs, and so the poor were inherently suspicious of them. But eventually, as I said earlier, President Millard Fillmore became a devotee of bathing and installed a bathtub at the White House. And this stirred up the whole controversy again. Opponents made much of the fact that there was no bathtub at Mount Vernon or Monticello, respectfully the homes of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, and that all the presidents and other magnificos of the past had got along without any such monarchical luxuries. This history of the bathtub was crafted by one of my favorite reporters and writers, H.L. Mencken. He published this history of the bathtub in 1917 in the midst of World War I. But here's the thing, folks. Minken made everything up. Everything I just went through in the last five minutes was complete nonsense. So it was... Yes, a joke to entertain himself. Let's write a fanciful, ridiculous history of how controversial the bathtub was and bathing was in the mid-1800s. But it was also an opportunity for Mencken to showcase to his contemporaries the enlightened and the benighted all the same of how quickly false facts go viral. And you don't need the internet for something to go viral. And so before Minken revealed that he had made up this whole history of the bathtub, it started to appear all over the place. It started to spread, accepted as if it were true. People really believed that it was dividing rich against poor, that some cities thought it was a health concern. The first bathtub was really 1,700 pounds and mostly made of lead. Until eventually this history of the bathtub was even being pronounced from the floor of Congress. These facts were being cited by our dear enlightened public representatives. And so eight years after his initial publishing of that bathtub history, Minkin confessed to his dirty deed, done dirt cheap. He had made the whole thing up, he told the public. He said, quote, all I care to do today is to reiterate in the most solemn and awful terms that my history of the bathtub, printed on December 28th, 1917 was pure bunkum, end quote. He goes on, quote, If there were any facts in it, they got there accidentally and against my design. But today the tale is in the encyclopedias. History, said, the great American soothsayer is bunk. You see, we've been falling for fake stories, fake news, For pretty much a century now, if not longer. Now, Minkin claimed he didn't know the story would go as viral as it did. But folks, Minkin's fake bathtub story was even cited by, you guessed it, the Washington Post in 2001. And they had to make a retraction. It's a good lesson for today. When things can go viral at a much quicker pace, and we must all be very skeptical. I'm looking at the TV screen here in the radio studio, and I'm seeing Jesse Smollett. The police are now treating him as a suspect for filing a false police report, among other things seems he made the whole thing up. Now it's one thing to make up a story in a silly manner about the history of the bathtub and Millard Fillmore. Minkin was known as a prankster, Minkin loved satirizing his time. I mean, he wrote a whole essay suggesting that the way we save Christian dumb in the early 20th century is for everybody to get gently stewed or, in our parlance today, buzzed drunk. You wrote that thing to make fun of all the holy rollers and reformers of his time. That you could advance the most ridiculous theory in the service of making the nation and mankind better. So Mencken was known for being a bit of a trickster and you could see that you know having good laugh at the expense of everybody else would be why he would make up a history of a bathtub but if you make up a fake hate crime you have to ask yourself why why on earth would Jesse Smollett do this now when two Opposing sides start to agree, we might be close to truth. Not always. Sometimes we're just all deluded. But today, I saw two respective articles, one in the National Review and National Review, the other in the Atlantic. Both might be considered a little intellectual, but I like that sort of crap. The Atlantic tends to lean more left, National Review more to the right. And both came to the same conclusion that Jussie Smollett realized the only way to really gain fame and notoriety, the only way to really have immense power in today's political struggle, is to be a victim. And when you first heard the story, folks, I mean, it was juicy, wasn't it? A black gay man of not the highest profile. We're not, like, talking about The Rock here. But he had some what of a star to his name. He's on television, obviously. And that wasn't enough. But the story of a black gay man with some fame being beat up, cursed at, with homophobic and racial slurs and having this done by supposedly white men who are Trump fans. I mean, talk about a story that speaks to our time. And this is why... both of the writers in the atlantic and national review both of them pointed out all sorts of hoaxes that have happened throughout the years in particular hate crime hoaxes and if you listen to me on these airways I'm not one to be like oh I told you so and that one's fake and that one's not and I'm very happy to say I don't know I saw somebody post a meme earlier today saying sex is great, but I told you so is better, right? No, no, sex is better than being right all along. It is. Most of the time. So this isn't an I, an I told you so moment from Joey. This is more why on earth would he do this? Well, let's thread together several themes we've been talking about. I think human beings are much more interested in their stories than the hard truth. Why? Because the world is incredibly complicated. It really is. It's so complicated that if you tried to act like the most objective, distant scientist and skeptic every part of your day, you couldn't function. Wouldn't be possible. I think that's a charitable reading of it, that we all have useful fictions or useful beliefs, especially in the quick news cycle around politics. We have our narratives. But it's not anything new. Minken went on to say, the truth indeed is something that mankind, for some mysterious reason, instinctively dislikes. Yet our stories remain in history books, school history books, and every effort to get them out causes a dreadful row. People cling very tightly to their stories. So it doesn't surprise me if the ongoing narrative, especially from the left, especially from somebody who is a gay man, who is also a black man, the ongoing narrative, if you are of that left-wing persuasion with that particular group identities... Well, why don't I craft something to advance the story? I guess it never crossed his mind that he would be found out. I mean, he had a fairly good defense and that if you question him in his account, you're racist or something. That's how far people will go to uphold their stories. They will make things up out of whole cloth in order to continue to advance the narrative. I was talking with Greg earlier today about this. Something I find fascinating. Early history of this country and all the tales we were told about our founders, it's not literally true. George Washington and the cherry tree is not literally true. Ben Franklin with the kite, and, being, and he discovered electricity, and the kite was hit by lightning. No. Now Franklin had done some experiments, but it, this is greatly exaggerated. George Washington with wooden teeth. Actually, his teeth were made of metal and other materials, not wood. But it's a, the story we're told, so it's the story you tell. And it's not something of great importance, so why would we take the time to really correct these things? But when it's of such great importance, when it is in some ways the thing that defines you, that you are an, a, you're a successful actor on television. You have the adoration of probably millions of people. And that's not enough. The writer in National Review wrote about Jussie Swalett said, maybe we can understand his motive by just reading his Twitter bio line. I'm simply here to help save the world, is what his bio on Twitter said. You can't save the world as a successful actor. Success isn't how you save the world in today's society, certainly not... Given the narrative advanced by left politics. Now you save the world by pointing out victims or being a victim yourself. By being a scapegoat. Now usually we don't want to be a scapegoat. You don't want everybody, when something goes wrong, say in your life, something goes wrong in your city, something goes wrong... In your school, we've all been in these situations where we felt peer pressure. You don't want the crowd, when something goes wrong, to turn and go, you're the reason everything went wrong. It's not a fun place to be in human society. I've said it before, and I'll probably say it again, because I don't think this stuff is going away. The so-called brittle spirits, as Dave Chappelle called them, their true strength is their apparent weakness. Their privilege is that they're underprivileged. Their power is in their ability to air a grievance. Mixing truth and fiction. Taking things that do actually happen and exaggerating them to a certain extent. All playing into this big battle for power in that swamp on the Potomac it's absolutely utterly disgusting but in a way not that surprising not that shocking it's more the idea that he thought he could get away with it that Jesse Smollett thought oh I could come up with this and the Chicago Police Department won't find out yeah that was really dumb But this deeper sense of we have to advance the cause and save the world. I'll put it this way. Most attempts to save the world. Not save your neighbor. Not save your family member. Not save your friend. Not save yourself. Not help bring clean water to communities that don't have it. Or help develop You know, a sound rule of law in a certain country that doesn't have it. So people have opportunity, not specific goals, but I'm going to save the world. Most attempts that try that holistic approach, we're going to bring out heaven on earth, end up bringing out hell. And one of the first things to be sacrificed in this march to be a victim in this march to be a scapegoat to show, look at me suffering, is the truth. Justy Smollett just took it to an unreal extreme. But a lot of us do it. It doesn't have to be political. We have stories that order our lives. And they can be basic ones. They can be very useful ones. And if you really seek it out you'll find the truth is rarely pure and never simple. That you weren't looking for the truth, but for your own story to be confirmed, for it to flourish and flow. For your own bias to be confirmed, if I could put it another way. And hell, I'm not acting high and mighty here, I do it too. But there is something about the trajectory of our politics where we have taken something as good as compassion, something as good as mercy and empathy, and we emphasize those so much that we miss the mark on what other virtues might balance out empathy and compassion, like actual justice, like truth and rationality. Like faith and especially fortitude, courage, talent, success, being productive. We need all these things in a well-rounded society, in my opinion. It does take a village. It takes all types. But this overemphasis on woe is me, look at me suffering, look at this violence inherent in the system is not leading us to a good place. But somebody who can lead you, man, that was awkward, to a good place. Somebody that can take you if you're stuck renting in that house or apartment, or maybe you're stuck, you're living in a house, and you realize, oh man, I've had a lot of kids, I need a bigger place. Whether you're looking to buy or sell your home. And yes, it will be, when you buy your home, it will feel like your home, if you talk to Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Eddie has changed his own life by investing in real estate, by learning at the feet of Bo Goodson at his real estate school, becoming a real estate agent himself. He's seen the pitfalls you can well, trip into, but he's seen the big successes, the models for how you actually go about traversing what can be the intimidating world of real estate. So especially if you are a potential first-time home buyer, or you're maybe stuck and you think, I can't make enough, let Eddie Bader show you your options. If you're looking to sell that place, let Eddie Bader show you, here's the repairs you need to make, the renovations, how to do a successful open house. Here's a good initial price point. Eddie Bader's done it all, and he can do it for you too. So if you're looking for an all-around full-service real estate agent, think Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. His number write it down 322-0662 again that number 322-0662 give Eddie a call at least go out have a beer and some pizza with him learn a little about him I think you'll find he's a down to earth guy who can really help you out when it comes to your home well I hit this break folks and coming back well we'll talk about whatever folks now the Joey Clark Radio Hour is also brought to you by four healthy pets over on the Atlanta Highway. The humble but great little shop right there in the Village East shopping center. Teresa has everything that you need. She and actually she sent me a list of a lot of the specials going on because they have high quality all-natural responsibly sourced brands. For your little dog, well, really your dog should be a big dog, but that's a personal issue of mine. Or your little dog, big dog, little cat, big cat, for your pets that you love so much. It'll leave them healthy and happy, leaving you happy and healthy. So, okay, we have a special on the Koa brand. Purchase any two Koa dry mix. Get two cans of Koa dog food for free. Nutrisource. Buy a 15-pound bag or larger. Get one can free. Primal, Pure Vita Cat. So many specials over there going on for this upcoming month of March. So stop by for Healthy Pets, and what you'll find is brands like Nature's Logic and First Mate, 100% natural, all nutrition derived from whole foods and natural ingredients. It's a big trend when it comes to people food. When it comes to pet food. You want it to be all natural from Whole Foods. It's the best thing, I swear, folks, for your dog or for your cat. But she also has fun things like Miawana, cleverly branded catnip, or the chicken jerky, the dogs. And, yes, I've heard some people even like all sorts of chew toys. I'd love to give Mr. Gimli the Red and Fuzzy Big Booty Buddha. My brother's Labrador Retriever. I like to give him an elk antler. He loves those things. They last forever, even for a dog as big as he. So stop by 4 Healthy Pets on the Atlanta Highway. You will not be disappointed. Tell Teresa, Joey, said hi. Again, it's the Village East Shopping Center, where you can check out more of what they have to offer, like grooming services, so much more, at 4HealthyPetsOnline.com, F-O-R-HealthyPetsOnline.com. Now, I'm trying to keep it cool, stay calm, collected here, folks. But whenever I see James Clapper's face, I want to punch him. I'm not saying we should punch him. I'm not saying you should go out and punch people you don't like. Even people you don't like politically. Even people that lie to not only Congress, but to all the American people about how they're being spied on. And yet still keep their job. It's not cool. Don't go punching people. Unless you're like in the squared circle or the octagon or something. But James Clapper came out today. And this plays back into this theme of narratives. It's got to be narratives. You know, if you're working with friends on actually finding the truth, folks, like, you say we can run statistics on something. Like, say you're a flat earther and your friend believes the earth is round. If you agree on a given methodology, you can come to some understanding of what is true. But if your friend who is showing you that the Earth is round, to a degree, not perfectly. If your friend is giving you all sorts of ways to confirm this truth, and yet you are always looking the other way and coming up with some convoluted reason not to believe him, then what are we doing? What we're really just doing is advancing narratives. What's the Reagan line that he said about his Democratic opponents? They know so much that isn't so. There's a lot of that that goes on. We know so much that isn't so. And we advance our narratives for the sake of, yes, winning political power. That's the big object we're fighting over these days. It's even falling into the culture wars, thus why Jesse Smollett put on his hoax. Not only gave him personal spotlight, but it advanced a cause that he believed in in order for that cause and the certain people that were about that cause to win political power. So political power is the object we're all lusting over and fighting over. We're not actually trying to come to truth and understanding. We actually have to agree and in good faith accept certain standards if we want to come to the truth. And in my mind, when it comes to Donald Trump and Russia, the standard, and some people have questioned the standard, but I think the standard that should be upheld for whether or not something is going on with Donald Trump and the Russians would be the Mueller report. Now, you can disagree with me if you want the Mueller report to be the standard, but I got that standard from the fact that for so long, Democratic senators and representatives along with some Republicans, have been trying to protect the Mueller investigation from the paranoid Trump administration. So the media has weaved all sorts of narratives about the Trump administration, Russia. They've come out with stories that have just been patently false, some that are mere speculation, some that only give you a snapshot of what is actually a whole video, kind of like the Covington Catholic schoolboys. So in my mind, if Robert Mueller is this seasoned expert investigator, who has, to his credit, been pretty tight-lipped about stuff, then I'll wait for the Mueller report. Just like Jesse Smollett or anything else that's been proven, well, not true, from sitting in this very humble perch in Montgomery, Alabama, I'm more than happy to say, I don't know. I got too many things going on in life. You know, I'd like to have some fun in my life. I'd like to fix my life in other ways other than caring about the new political narrative. So I'll wait. If the Democrats want to protect Robert Mueller and his investigation so much, I'll wait for what Robert Mueller has to say. You have built him up as an authority. Let's wait for what he has to say. that brings me back to James Clapper. James Clapper today... You might remember him, the former director of national intelligence. He's the guy, after the Edward Snowden leaks, when asked by Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, does the United States government spy on the American people? Their phone calls, their text messages, their communications online, like emails or people sliding into DMs. And James Clapper sweating more than a grown man should unless you're incredibly fat. I get it, big people. You sweat more. It's not a knock. It's just a fact. Am I right? But he's he's leaning over the hearing desk in the Congress, like the Congressional hearing room, and he's rubbing his his right brow. And he, knows, he says, no, Senator Wyden, we don't spy on the American people. Not wittingly. We don't. It was a lie. An utter Lie. That James Clapper. The same James Clapper who has been accusing Donald Trump of being a Russian asset. Using all sorts of rumor and innuendo to make his point. Well, he is out today moving the goalpost. Again, the goalpost, the standard should be what Robert Mueller is in his report, his investigation has found. On the issue of the Trump campaign, Trump himself in collusion with the Russian government. And there is word, even from CNN, but they've been wrong about a lot of things, right? That the Mueller report could come out as early as next week. That they're wrapping things up. Always good to wrap things up, ladies and gentlemen. Especially when you don't know where you're going and what you're exactly doing. So wrap it up, Robert. And it appears he is with the new Attorney General Barr coming in, and he'll report to Congress. It'll be up to him to decide how much is made public, but I imagine once Mueller's report is given to Congress, there'll be a lot of leaks. So we're thinking next week, maybe it'll be later, Mueller's team, the AG's office, wouldn't confirm anything. But CNN is reporting next week the Mueller report will come out. All that said... James Clapper is now moving the goalposts. He's moving the standard. And he's smuggling in more rumor and innuendo, just like a spook would. Quote, I think the hope is that the Mueller investigation will clear the air on this issue once and for all. Yeah, James. Millions of dollars. God knows how many agents and investigators and lawyers caught up in this. Two years? Yeah, hopefully it clears some things up. Not to mention all the speculation from both sides of the aisle. And the polarization further of our population... Over all this crap that's happening in secret, classified, where the public can't see it for their own good for some reason. Yeah, I hope this guy tasked with clearing this up actually clears it up. So he went on, he said, I think the hope is that the Mueller investigation will clear the air on this issue once and for all. And James Clapper continues, though, I'm really not sure it will. And the investigation, when completed, could turn out to be quite anticlimactic and not draw a conclusion about that. Clapper is, of course, a frequent critic of Trump, worked for the last President Obama, and he went on. The strange thing, I think, that has bothered a lot of people, both in and out of the intelligence community... ...is this strange personal deference to Putin by the president. I speculated in the past that the way Putin behaves is to treat President Trump as an asset. And Trump could be doing this unwittingly. Oh yeah, like how you were unwittingly spying on the American people... ...and unwittingly lying to Congress and unwittingly lying now... ...and moving the standard and just advancing your own frickin' political agenda... Which really, in my mind, isn't actually all that partisan. It has more to do with protecting the credibility of the intelligence community you ran for so long. So let's move the goalposts. You heard it here from James Clapper, folks. Even when the Mueller report comes out and doesn't show that Trump colluded with the Russians, he still may have colluded with them. And that's exactly what... Andrew McCabe is up to as well on his book tour. And why am I so up in arms about this, this evening? You know me, folks. It's not because I'm, like, on the Trump train. I'm a huge Donald Trump fan in every way. I'm tired of the rumor and innuendo. I'm tired of the self-serving narratives. I'm tired of stories That nobody, unless you're there, can actually confirm are true or not. And yet everybody has an opinion about them. I'm tired of we, the American people, knowing so much that isn't so. And yet so little that actually is. I'm tired of the nonsense and the truths told with bad intent that are worse than any lies we could invent. I'm tired of it. I would like to actually have good faith arguments you know, over the future of the nation. The future of our geopolitical situation. I would like for us to take a step back and argue the basic values of what it means to be an American every once in a while. Rather than saying this is American or this is un American is just a way to smear your opponents. I'm tired of it. Tired of the partisan hackery. Tired of the demagogues. I'm tired of the national news media that have become more propagandist than they are straight journalists. I'm tired of politics tearing friendships apart and tearing families apart. And I'm tired of equating who you vote for and who you support is your true voice. No, not your individual thoughts, not your individual independent mind and what you're actually doing to make your life better and those right around you, but who you yell at when you watch the news. That's who defines you, right? I'm tired of it. And one would think if there's any scintilla of respect left in the FBI and the Justice Department... If the senators, especially in the Democratic Party, really meant what they said about protecting Robert Mueller's investigation, then we would use that as the standard. Now I get it. Politics is slippery, it's duplicitous. Hell in politics, hypocrisy is a virtue. And if Mueller's report is damning of the president, supporters of the president will try to wiggle out of it. If it exonerates the president, critics of the president will try to wiggle out of it, much like James Clapper is already doing. I don't know what the exact truth of this whole Russia collusion story is. But it does also really piss me off. That we're deciding the fate of, say, our relationship with Russia over rumor and innuendo. As Vladimir Putin talks about, if the U.S. and its allies move missiles into Europe, we'll move new missiles into position, not only pointing at European countries, but the centers of decision making in the United States. I'm in Montgomery, Alabama. There's a military base right down the road. I have an inkling of what they do, but not completely. My point is this, folks. Things like the INF Treaty are very serious. Things like the expiration. believe what, the START Treaty... Generally, our relationship with Russia, that is a paranoid, resentful, regional power that can project strength and create mayhem all over the world, is more serious than partisan point scoring. I appreciate, generally, President Trump's willingness to try to work with people, even if he uses tough talk at times. I like that he's meeting Kim Jong un later this month. I hope something comes of it. I like that we're back at the negotiating table with China on trade, because if we can get something done on trade, maybe we can get something done on other issues and avoid this trap of a rising China meeting our power. I would like to see some sort of resolution or at least clear eyed discussion around what United States and NATO policy should be towards Russia rather than the hysterical oh is Trump an asset the puppet of Putin is Trump's mouth just Putin's holster it's sad sad Trump derangement syndrome presidential derangement syndrome We're obsessed to the point that we're making scapegoats out of ourselves, like Jesse Smollett. It's disgusting. And here's the thing. I don't think we'll ever, anytime soon, between Democrats and Republicans vying for the ultimate power pretty much on Earth, the presidency and the executive branch, to be more exact and more general at the same time, I don't think there's going to be any good faith agreement anytime soon. Power corrupts. It also doesn't just corrupt good people. It attracts people who are already corrupt. From all sorts of political persuasions and ideologies. There are true believers... But there are also people that use those true beliefs and those narratives that we all rely on to some extent. Whether it's about a bathtub or the president of the United States being a Russian asset. Or a hate crime in the middle of the night and minus below zero temperatures in Chicago. There are people that use those beliefs to control you. To control me. I'm tired of it. More hoaxes will come, and more truths will be found in very strange places. But for the love of God, can't we just take a breather? Well, I will. I'll be taking a breather at least for a few hours. And I'll be back tomorrow night. Thank you so much for listening. Joey Clark